Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. again big dave lemon joe is not going to be with us tonight he will may pop in later who knows but uh i got a very special guest tonight so uh bernard lee will be joining us uh a very uh frequent guest on the program over the years because he's been on longer than me i mean i was uh i was uh, proud that we just passed our 11th anniversary on the show but bernard's working on uh 14 years doing his program bernard thanks for taking a few minutes today uh, to talk about your show and uh, the things you're doing and your new book coming out very shortly. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward again, as usual. Uh, you know, we've talked about a million things over the years, including, um, you know, the things you've done around Christmas for the kids in the Boston area that have just been fantastic and uh, a big part of their lives out there, improving lives up there in the Northeast. But uh, you've also done all kinds of media. I know that Harvard Magazine, you're actually a, uh, a graduate of Harvard and you've got your master's there. But Harvard Magazine called you the busiest man in poker. And things have changed in life, so you're probably not quite as busy right now as you used to be. But uh, I'm sure you're staying pretty active. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was uh, extremely busy at the time when that column was uh, written and uh, in the magazine. But, uh, you know, the radio show, I just was hired to write a column here in Massachusetts for uh, a paper uh, that's uh, kind of under the USA Today wing. Um, and, you know, for better or worse, I have a bunch of things in the works, still a run good gear ambassador uh, have my own radio show, like I said, 14th anniversary in a couple of weeks. And uh, now this new book just came out. So really excited about it. Well, I'm excited to see it and read it when it comes out. Uh, it's going to be released. I guess the release date is April 19th. Is that uh, is that about right? Yeah, I, I know it's in the uh, the plant at Amazon. Um, to be honest, it may, it may even be shipping. That, that was the date that they put out about a month ago. So it, okay. may, already be, it may already be shipping at one point. In March, uh, it was the number two book, uh, number two poker book, uh, original new poker book, even though it was not being shipped. So a lot of people were buying it. So we were pretty pleased about that. Well, you've really outlasted a lot of the magazines you've written for, even some of the segments on some <laughs> of the TV things. Uh, ESPN used to do a regular uh, inside deal program right. that you worked on right. for years, uh, yep. always was a highlight of their coverage. Um, you know, uh, magazines, you wrote for all in magazine. That's long gone, I think. And, uh, right. you know, I've, I've my Annie up magazine. I think that's for sale now. So there's really only card player, the only one left. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fun to get your work out there and know that people are depending on listening to what you have to say. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, we, you know, I, I have a pretty big Twitter following and um, I, I had the comment over the last few years, you know, why don't you start a YouTube page and didn't really think I would. And um, I do a lot of videos now, I, obviously in this world of Zoom, all of my interviews are done via Zoom. Uh, and then I just kind of take the audio and, and make it to my podcast slash radio show. 
but I'm now slowly starting to put up my videos. So my YouTube page, which is Bernard Lee Poker, um, starting to put up YouTube videos too. So if people are interested, you can subscribe there. We're going to have um, a lot of my interviews there. And people, you know, it, I think it's just different mediums for different people. Some people like listening to it in the car. Some people like listening to it on their phone. Some people like watching it on their computer. And since it's all the same interview, um, let whoever is interested watch it and or listen to it whichever way they want. And um, the column that I'm writing for for Metro West Daily News actually incorporates Share My Pair, which I'm an ambassador for, where literally the hand is played out on the Internet screen right. instead of you're just describing it. So it's kind of cool. And, and people are, are starting to like that column as well. Very much so. Uh, the book is called Poker Satellite Success. Turn affordable buy-ins into shots at winning millions. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about this because the timing couldn't be any better for us down here in South Florida. You've been to many of the Seminole Hard Rock tournaments, and they are getting underway today with their satellites for the tournament, which starts, I think, uh, I think on Thursday. So, um, you know, all these uh, satellites that uh, can get you into the inaugural event, uh, event one, which is a $600 buy-in with six opening sessions uh, is right away. Of course, they're not going to be able to get their book and read it immediately, but hopefully they'll pick up a few tips from tonight's show to uh, help them out. Also, the main event, $3,500 buy-in in about 10 days, uh, will get underway, and they'll have numerous satellites that people can try to get into. Uh, just to talk about uh, the basic satellite uh, structure, um, you know, it's always different. There's always a different number, and that's one of the important things you cover in the book is how to evaluate that. Yeah, I mean, so the reason why, so just to kind of give a little bit of history of, of how it all happened was is that back um, uh, years ago, uh, Jonathan Little uh, wrote a book uh, called Excelling in No Limit Hold'em. And with that, that was back in, I think it was 2014. And then with that book, he asked a lot of people, it was kind of his Doyle Brunson super system, said, hey, uh, would you be interested in writing a section? And he asked me to write a section. I was pretty honored. And I had at the time been doing a lot of presentations for the Run Good Gear poker series and the WSOP circuit. And one of the seminars that I did was um, the satellite seminar. And it was really, really well received all the time. I, I still remember it. We were down, I think it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, did the Run, uh, Run Good Gear uh, presentation, did a seminar presentation. Uh, we had a really good turnout. It was like 50 people. And a couple of people asked me some questions at the end of the seminar. And then in about 30 minutes, the, the satellite started. Well, I went up to my room and then came back down because I was going to play Flight 1A, which was about four or five hours after the satellite. And this person came running up to me saying, I did it. I did it. It's, I finally won one. And I listened to what you had to say. And, you know, that's just so rewarding from my standpoint that, you know, they listened to it. They got value out of it. And they literally turned it into something positive. And so um, satellites are different than tournaments you know it just is and that segment that section from jonathan little's book um was so well received that in 2018 dnb uh publishing uh, came up to me and said hey listen would you be interested in writing a full book 
And that meant instead of 10,000 words, it was going to be 50,000 words. And, and I definitely had a lot of sections that I couldn't include in Jonathan's book. So we start, decided to give it a go. Uh, our original launch date was 2020 World Series. Uh, but as everyone knows, the world changed about a year ago. And so we didn't release it. The book's been kind of ready. We didn't do the final edit till about uh, the end of 2020 because literally what we, we weren't releasing it. Um, but it, it was completed a few months ago and, and, and ready to go. And, and really, satellites are a different animal than regular tournaments. And when people play a satellite the exact same as a tournament, they have the potential of making significant mistakes and potentially not giving themselves an opportunity to win the satellite, which ultimately is the goal, obviously. Right, right, right. right. Uh, you broke on the scene in 2005 when you finished 13th in the main event, and uh, you actually kind of got in that on a satellite. It's kind of kind of a technicality. I heard you talking about it, but uh, you, you obviously didn't pay the $10,000 to get in. And you turned that into a huge payday and, and really kind of made a name for yourself. Tell us about how you got into that one. Yeah, so the, so um, Chris, when Chris Moneymaker did what he did, um, and I'm very fortunate. I've, be, I've become very good friends with Chris Moneymaker. And actually, Chris Moneymaker wrote the forward to this book right, because obviously right. he had such an influence on the satellite world. But when Chris did what he did, I was a fan. I was watching the 2003 World Series. Actually, the 2002 World Series is when I really started watching. I watched when uh, Robert Barconi won over Julian Gardner. And um, when Russell Rosenblum, who finished sixth place, he was actually asked to do some commentating and afterward. And he, he said, oh, I think he might have like Queen Jack here. And I still remember it thinking like, how could he know he has Queen Jack? And then the guy flipped over Queen Jack. And I just thought, Jeez, this guy really knows. I need to learn the game a lot better. Um, and then in 2003, obviously, Chris did what he did. And I said, I am going to play in the 2004 World Series main event. That was my number one goal. And you know, realistically, I wasn't paying $10,000. Uh, my wife would never allow me to pay $10,000. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't allow myself to play, pay $10,000. So at the time, online poker was available. And by the way, this is the 10th anniversary this week of Black Friday. But um, and, and my radio show, we're, we're honoring that. But we basically, um, I basically tried my darndest to qualify online, and I couldn't do it. I, I played numerous satellites over and over again and just couldn't do it. And so... I really spent about a good six, nine months focusing on trying to qualify for a main event and playing in a main event, but also playing in satellites. I ended up winning a satellite-ish kind of. It was really a free roll on PokerStars. It was a Monday night. I came back from tennis practice out of all things, jumped on, and it was like, I don't know what it was, 25,000 frequent player points, and the winner got a seat into the World Series main event. There was like 300 players, and I was literally doing this for practice for the Sunday satellite, which was like a $650 <laughs> buy-in. You know, 18 players uh, were needed. Every 18 players got a seat, one out of 18. And I made the final table. I still remember it. Um, I think it was pocket nines versus ace-king. Five left. Flop comes out, and there's an ace on the board, and I'm taking my computer screen and 
lowering it because I'm out in fifth. And all of a sudden, the chips are going toward me. And I flip my computer and go, what just happened? And I looked up, you know, the, you could see what, what the previous hand was, and a nine hit on the river. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, did this really happen? And next thing you know, uh, I end up winning the seat, and uh, I end up going to the World Series. And, you know, I get featured a, a couple of times. You know, at the final table, obviously, that was your Joe Hosham and Steve Daneman and Mike Matisso finished ninth. Right. Daneman got a couple of profiles. Hosham got a couple of profiles. Mike got a couple of profiles. Beside that, at that final table, no one got more than one profile. I finished 13th, and I got two profiles. So, you know, ESPN had said I was kind of their story. My wife almost uh, died giving birth uh, to our second child. I almost didn't come to the World Series because I was taking care of my wife. Uh, you know, I had this story of pictures with my kids in front of me so it was kind of the feel-good family guy making a deep first world series main event ever blah 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 next thing you know i end up finishing 13th and taking home four hundred thousand dollars so that's yeah, kind of the standing. weird world that you live in you know my wife literally never thought i would be doing this for a living she thought i'd go out and play this one time and and that was it but you know next thing you know 15 years later i'm still doing this and then uh, you turned your exp ESPN exposure into uh, a regular exposure on some of their shows and, uh, and, and doing some writing for them as well. Uh, you know, it all worked out perfectly. It did. I mean, PokerStars actually, after uh, Rich Corbin, um, who worked for PokerStars at the time, I have to give credit to him, is that he asked me to, hey, would you write something for our blog, just so for our people could, could read the story of what happened to you? And he thought it was going to be like one or two double space pages well it ended up being 26 single space pages and wow. it was like this cathartic experience just to kind of get it all out of my my out of me and and really relive what happened and you know back then in 2005 the internet isn't what it was today but it went as viral as something back then could go and people would be talking about it and saying hey this is a really great story you should what a kind of ride this guy had, et cetera, et cetera. And next thing you know, the Boston Herald read it. Next thing you know, ESPN read it. And next thing you know, Card Player read it. And then all of a sudden, all these uh, media outlets contacted me and said, would you be interested in writing for us? And I literally thought this was hysterical. Oh, I, I that's said, great. I'm a biology major. I don't write. And they said, well, you write pretty well for poker. And we'd really like you to write for us. And I'm still ESPN. I'm actually ESPN's senior poker writer. Uh, I wrote for the Boston Herald for something like seven, eight years. Uh, I'm now writing for Metro West Daily News, which is kind of a competitor of the Boston Herald because of that. Um, car, I wrote for Card Player for a number of years. I wrote for Poker News. I still write. I now am part of Card Player Lifestyle. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, what turned out to be just like, could you do us a favor ended up really kicking off my career. And then two years later, my Boston Herald editor said, Hey, listen, you really like telling stories and you're really good at it. Why don't you do a radio show? And I said, for what? And he goes for poker, of course. And, uh, thought, okay, let's give it a shot. And so I ended up doing a poker show. It's going to be my 14th year here in May. And, the irony is that my producer for that sh first show that I ever did, he moved over to ESPN about four or five years later. He actually, people who follow MMA, 
uh, will know the name. John Anik is one of the announcers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so he was my producer. Wow. ESPN was thinking about doing a show for poker. I called John and I said, hey, John, could you give me some advice? And so he gave me kind of the ins and outs, what the jib, which is the main camera, that you have camera one, camera two on the side. When the light goes on, you'll move your head toward there and talk directly into the camera, then come back to the jib and all these things. All these things I had no idea what he was talking about originally. And then he he said, well, you know, do something, watch something on TV and do it as if you're practicing. So I practiced all weekend long for like several days, went into ESPN to do a a test run and, and an audition. And at the end of the whole thing, the producer literally said, what shows have Bernard has Bernard been on? And they said he's never been on a show before ever. And he goes, this guy is a natural. Like he knows exactly (laughs) camera light goes on, come back to the jib. He gets it. And, you know, that's why I was hired for that show. Really, you know, everything is very weird how it all works out. But. You know, my advice, and I actually have given a talk on this in high schools, is no matter what opportunity you get, don't ever take it as if it's nothing. Do Make the most of it, and you just never know where it'll take you, and it's literally made yeah. my career. For sure. Um, let's get to the book, but before I do, there's one little nagging question in the back of my mind from, the, from your, uh, your uh, story there, and that is – Going back to the writing thing, as a fellow writer, did they use all twenty-six pages? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a, it was like an eight to ten part blog. Wow. It was a really, really popular blog. Like it was like, let's put up part one, let's put up part two. I mean, Brad Willis is the person who was for Poker Stars blog, mm-hmm. and every time I sent him another section, he was like, "Oh my god, this is great! When's the next? Like literally, when's the next section coming? When's the next one?" And uh, <laughs> Yeah, they used all of them. All I think it's still up there somewhere. Wow. I mean, wow. I, I think it's still up there. And so it was, it was a lot of fun writing it. And like I said, it literally started my career. Well, let's touch on some of the information from uh, Poker Satellite Success coming out uh, this week here from DNB Poker Publishing. And uh, obviously, you can get it uh, places where you buy your books online, Amazon, and places like that will be coming out over the next week. Uh, the subtitle of the book, Turn Affordable Buy-Ins into Shots at, Milling, at, at Winning Millions. And, of course, that's got to appeal to everybody that plays poker because we see so much of that on TV and uh, people are going, eh, I don't I don't know how I could possibly do that. But you got to start with baby steps. And uh, in a lot of situations, that's playing in a satellite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, If, if, if people go online and check it out, I, I, I love the cover. I helped design it. It's basically a hand of poker, and it starts out with some chips that are in low denominations, 25, 100. 500 and then it slowly builds up into uh, more and more chips and then explodes into these hundred dollar bills which represents the millions um, uh, initially it was just chips and I, and I asked him I said could we could we have money exploding out and he thought it was such a cool idea so we did it uh, the other neat thing about the cover is the hand that that's on there originally uh, I asked the publishers like what is this hand that's there and he said I don't know we just made up the hand I said, can we have a very specific hand? Uh, I'd like it. And he said, yeah, sure. What do you want? And this is the hand uh, that I won my first WSOP circuit ring with. This is the exact hand right wow. there. Wow. 
yeah, kind of cool, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I asked him, I said, could you put these specific things? So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very pleased with the book. And, uh, you know, I think that for, for people, it really kind of follows how you play a satellite from start to finish. The first kind of six chapters are that. The first one is really important concepts uh, ranging from fold equity to um, player positions and odds and all of that. But one of the most important things in there is the number of entries needed for one main event seat. Now, normally you'll see it's like one in every 10, but there are a lot of tournaments that are one in every six, one in every 18, you know, whatever it might be. And it's pretty important for you to know that because then you know how many seats you're, you're playing for. Um, and then the next several sections are really just breaking the satellite into its parts, like early level, middle level, late level, and then obviously the most important part, which is on the bubble, right? It's not the final table, it, because you could literally, you know, if you're at the World Series and you're playing in, the, in a satellite the day before, there could be 200 people that are going to qualify. So there are obviously not one table. Uh, there are dozens of tables left as you're getting down to the wire. But one of the interesting things that I talk about is kind of prior to the start of the satellite, um, listening to your opponents and also calculating the ending blind level of the satellite. And that's very important to know that on this level, the satellite should end because some people think that when they're playing that the satellite's going to end earlier than they think and then they stop playing and they get blinded out. Um, so uh, it's pretty important for them to understand what, how to calculate that. I give a formula on how to calculate all of that. And um, I, actually, I, I, one thing that I did forget to mention is I did mention that the forward is by Chris Moneymaker. But there is a whole chapter at the beginning of uh, the book of the history of the satellite, where it starts out with Eric Drake, who's a, a Hall of Famer, who was the WSOP tournament director, of nice. how he created a satellite. He didn't even name it a satellite, but he created the concept of a satellite. Remember, back in the 70s, the average field size was in the 20s, like 22. So if you could increase the, the, the field by one person, you're increasing the field by 5%. So it was really important. His number one goal was always to have one more player than the year before. And that's basically happened. I think 1992 was the only year that – they did not go up in number, and it went down very, very small amount. Right. Um, uh, then, of course, 1983, Tom McAvoy wins the World Series main event. Why is that so important? Because he's the first person ever to win the World Series main event, getting his seat via a satellite. And when I got heads up with him and Rod Pete, it was guaranteed that that was going to happen because Rod Pete won his seat via satellite as well. And... Both of them outlasted a gentleman that I think many people know who finished in third place, the 76-77 World Series main event champion, Doyle Brunson. He finished third that year in 1983. Uh, and then, of course, the big history of Chris Moneymaker in 2003 winning his satellite, um, uh, $86 satellite, and obviously turned that into $2.5 million. So really talking about the first half of the book is really talking a lot about how you play uh, whether you have a big stack, whether you have a medium stack, whether you have a small stack, it's very important to understand how to play those stacks uh, in a satellite.
Well, I thought it was very apropos that uh, you would cover this subject, not because I really knew anything about your satellite success uh, in the past, but because I remember from your early article uh, about playing in the WSOP and your subsequent uh, tips to people on how to be successful at it involved the patience that you need to have. And survival was a big point that you always covered. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't, run deep unless you get to day two and then right. you got to be careful to get to day three and everything is just playing just with patience to get to the next level and surviving into the next day uh same here you just need to survive you don't need to knock a whole bunch of people out with a great hand you just need to survive yeah and and, it's, and it really is even more so in a satellite the number one goal and i write this number one goal is to survive because if you have one chip when the bubble is broken or if you are the chip leader it does not matter. You get the exact same thing, a main event seat to whatever event you're playing for. So this is where it's even more apropos than a tournament. Because in a tournament, ultimately for you to win a tournament, you do have to have a run. You can't just sit there and be ultimately patient. You do have to do some maneuvering. But in a satellite, number one is survival it is not getting all the chips it's not being the chip leader it's not being sheriff it is being uh it is being a, a player that will survive the tournament that's really the number one goal for a satellite yet there is something to be said about getting a nice stack and being able to people run people around well yes but that's where you do that in a tournament in a satellite you wouldn't do that uh, yeah. and, and actually in one of the sections I actually give you a formula where you calculate if you have enough chips to earn a seat so in other words if you for for very fortunate scenarios end up building a stack of 10 to 15 times starting stack early on in a tournament you can actually do the math out and see you know what? If I don't play another hand, I will still have enough chips to make it to the bubble. And if that is the case, and it's very rare that you do that early, you can get that later on, but it's very rare. But if that happens and you do play hands and potentially lose chips, you're you're giving your you're giving it away. You're right. giving that seat away. And and one of the things about this book that and why it, it was easier to write this book. Um, then uh, uh, when they asked me to do it, because obviously, like I said, 10,000, 15,000 words for a chapter, 50,000 for a book. The first section that I wrote when we started writing a book was the last chapter. And mm. that chapter was real life scenarios. So I give you eight scenarios that happened in my life, literally happened. These aren't made up. These are eight specific situations that happened in satellites and you read the scenario. So I set it up. I say, okay, this scenario happened. Um, the key concepts are, are at the beginning. So I, I write down the whole satellite. Here is the number of you know, chips, how many people are left, et cetera. And then I say, what would you do? And then on the next page, I write down, this is what happened. And then at the end, I write down what I learned because there are a couple of situations where I screwed up. I didn't do the right thing. I, I didn't win my seat, actually. So it's not like these are all successes. These are real life scenarios that happened. 
And the other few sections at the end, I give practice examples. So, so with the formulas that I have, if I say, if this situation is there, do you have enough chips? If this, this situation's here, what's the ending blind level? Um, and then I do a whole section, which I think was very, very interesting and unique on deals in satellites. Because you think about it, you're like, deals? What are you talking about deals? You know, there's deals at the final table. Maybe there's a chop, but why would you do that in a satellite? Oh, if you think that that's not true, oh, contraire, mon frere. Sat <laughs> deals happen all the time in satellites. Well, I want to get back. I definitely want to get back to that because that's something I didn't realize. But uh, you know, I kind of look at how important this book is for the uh, the average poker player that does play in tournaments and you know can afford maybe to buy in certain events, but would like to save money for uh, you know later in the series and that sort of thing. But a lot of these players are just super aggressive. Uh, they don't realize that there is a difference between satellites and, and regular play, and they need this uh, these tips to to realize that. I look at I look at the two uh, contrasting views of life that some people have. Well, there's one group that says, "He who has the most toys wins," and then right. there's the other group that says, "You can't take it with you." So right. it's more uh, satellite play is more of that. You don't be too aggressive where you where you lose your chips before you're only going to get to a certain point where you win your seat and there, it doesn't matter how many chips that you have at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that, you know, the, the, there, there was one scenario um, that, that happened and it was at a heartland poker tour event. I, I, I specifically remembered it. I, and, and I wrote about it in, in the book and what this heartland poker tour event was, is that this gentleman um, kept playing off of another big stack. So these two were the big stacks at the table. Okay. And every time the big stack raised, the gentleman to my left, he would either call him or re-raise. And I never understood why he was doing this. They both had so many chips. You know, did he have enough chips to guarantee a seat? I'm not sure, but he definitely had a lot of chips. This is the middle levels. And then when we got down to the end levels, he definitely had enough chips. I'll tell you, I had maybe a third of what chips he had, maybe even a fourth, and I knew I had enough chips. But he just kept playing against this player. And there was one short stack at the table who really understood satellite play. He kept under his breath saying to this guy, you're so stupid. Like, God, you're such a, you're horrible at playing. And the, and the gentleman was getting pissed. He was really getting mad. He's like, why are you telling me I'm a bad player? And eventually... He took the guy, the, 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 the player who was being overly aggressive, took out the short stack who was berating him. And he was kind of like, see, I can't believe you were saying that I'm better than you. And I didn't say a word. I'm not the guy that's going to teach you at the table. And so it kept playing, kept playing, et cetera. And then at the end, it was over. But he kept walking over to the other table and looking like, Oh, I think there's a few short stacks. And he was legitimately worried himself whether he was going to get his seat or not. And I knew I was going to get my seat. And I had, like like I said, a third or a fourth of what he had. And he kept coming over to me and saying, hey, you know, on the other table, there's a few short stacks. So you, you should be good. Like telling me, like, don't worry about it. And I, I looked at him. I said, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And, and wasn't concerned. Ultimately, okay. we did have a bust out. 
And then we all got our seat. And, and he said, hey, congratulations. I go, yeah, congratulations to you too. And we got to chatting a little bit. And he said to me, he goes, can I just ask you a question? Why weren't you worried? I said, because I knew I had my seat. And he goes, well, why do you say that? And I explained to him a little bit of satellite strategy, et cetera. And uh, so he said to me, he goes, so do you mind me asking, what do you thought about my play? And I, and I said to him, I said, do you want me to be honest or do you want me just to tell you you did well? And he goes, well, I did well because I got my seat. I said, okay, I'm going to ask you if you really want the truth. Do you want me to be honest? He goes, yeah, I want you to be honest. And I told him, I said, I don't think you played that well. And, and he immediately snapped back at me. He goes, what do you mean I got my seat? I go, sir, if you don't want me to tell you why I think that, then we're good. Don't worry about it. Don't get mad at me. He goes, okay, tell me why. So I explained it to him. And I said, it's about survival. It's not about getting more chips. And I asked him, I said, why did you keep calling the big stack? He said, because if I caught a big hand, I was going to bust him. And I said to him, I said, who cares? Like, who cares busting the big stack? We're not playing a tournament. Right. We're playing right. a satellite. And since you have enough chips, that's all that matters. And it was amazing, you know, how like this light came on his head. He was like, I never thought about that because he was playing tournament style, not satellite style. And so, again, like I said, these are all examples that I put in the book. And I think that a lot of the readers will get tremendous value from them because they're going to live these experiences without actually having to put money down and potentially paying for the, you know, heartache sometimes that some people have. Yeah, for sure. Name of the book is Poker Satellite Success, How to Turn Affordable Buy-ins into Shots at Winning Millions by D&B Poker, the, truly the leader uh, in the world in, in poker book publishing. And uh, I, guess, I believe they're located in, in uh, Great Britain, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're over in Europe, and uh, we've had many a uh, <laughs> late call. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine. I, I do want to take a break, but before I do, I just want to touch on one thing that I learned over the years from interviewing people on shows. We don't do a lot of talk about satellites, but, you know, it's a big part out there. And, and someone who taught me a lot about the importance is uh, Will the Thrill Faella, who I yeah. know you know well. And yeah. Will, one day, I, I saw him at the Hard Rock playing in a satellite, and I said, well, what are you doing? What are you playing this for? The, you, you obviously can afford to buy into the tournament. Why would you uh, waste your time? He said, my friend, it's not a waste of time because I get in these games and I learn some of the local players that are playing in Absolutely. this event. Right. And it improves my play so much just to find out a little bit before they turn on the real lights. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And 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 I I 100% agree with Will. Will and I grew up uh, playing him, me, Ronnie Barda. We all were the Foxwoods crew back then. You know, we weren't like literally a crew hanging out, but we were the ones fighting through in the early 2000s, battling each other at WPT events and and all of this stuff. And uh, you know, Will and I grew up cutting you know cutting our teeth together. And I can't agree anymore. Um, you, I typically come in, we'll play a satellite. Usually when I came in for WPTs, uh, for those two reasons, one to check out the locals, uh, I definitely would figure out like one or two people that I might bump into later on in the WPT, uh, in, in the main event. And then also it's a warm up. It's a phenomenal warm up 
for the the main event even though the styles are different poker is still poker and you kind of get your brain going and then finally if you can get in on 10 percent of what the buy-in is why is that a bad thing i mean that's just a phenomenal thing it's like you're just guaranteed to make money right there because if you are already going to be buying in let's say at the hard rock a thirty five hundred dollar buy-in and you pay 350 or you know one seven five hundred dollars and you get in well it's like you made three thousand dollars because you were going to buy in anyway it wasn't like you weren't buying in. it's like you made three grand right out of the gate so yeah i agree i think it's 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 definitely something that even though i uh you know can afford to buy into bigger events i still will play a satellite i, I if i go to a world series circuit $1,700 buy-in I, I I can buy $1,700 buy-in those are like a bracelet event and I play eight to 12 of those every summer but if I have time and, and I'm not tired I, I won't even think about it I'll play a satellite all day and night absolutely and then the money you save let's let's face it you can get cooler you can make a mistake in a tournament and then you can buy in and then you're not set way back uh, financially absolutely and and you know somebody once asked me like, oh, you know, you, you play in so many bracelet events during the summer. When do you ever have a t- chance to play in satellites during the World Series? In all honesty, I build in time to play satellites because, you know, I, I play No Limit Hold'em. I, I also the game I really love is Deuce to Seven No Limit. Right, um, right. But, but, but beyond that, I don't really play. I don't play Omaha. Um, I do play some stud, uh, definitely play some other low ball events and draw events as well. But there are very often times where there's like three days where you have nothing to do. And and I'm not the type of person that just looks on the schedule and be like, okay, Omaha, high, low, eight or better, let's go. Like, I, I, I won't do that. So if there are three days, I will literally say, okay, on the second day and the third day, I'm playing the eight o'clock satellite or eight o'clock or nine o'clock, whatever it is now at the World Series, satellite. It's usually a $500 buy-in, usually win 5,000 in Lammers. I'm going to play that event. If... If, for example, there's an event on Monday and then there's an event on Wednesday and listen, hey, listen, I'm not going to say I make it deep in every event. Let's say on the Monday event, I get knocked out at level two. Okay, well, I'm out at one o'clock. I don't have an event on Tuesday. I'm playing on Wednesday. Why don't you play the satellite at eight o'clock on Monday night? Why not? And let's see what happens. And so, you know, sometimes it'll depend. Maybe a Monday night won't be running. It will only be about, you know, 15 people. That's not really worth it, right? Because they're only going to give one seat and then some cash change. But, you know, some Wednesday and Thursday nights, they, they sometimes have 50, 60, 70 people or 70 entries. That's seven seats. Boy, right. that's that's worth it. That's yeah. really worth it. And I'm not saying Mondays aren't. And sometimes Mondays are big, you know, depending on on the week. So um, I definitely go down and check it out and see what it is. And I will play. I, I'll I'll tell you. In all honesty, there was one summer I cashed in one event out of I don't know how many I played, maybe eleven, but I won three or four satellites. Oh wow! So that's so great. it ended up being ironically a profitable summer because of the satellites. We're going to keep Bernard uh, here for a few more minutes. Uh, I want to get into some more of the book. And uh, also, I want to let people know about the satellite schedule at the Seminole Hard Rock, which starts this week. The uh, Summer Showdown, the 10th anniversary 
over at the Hard Rock in Hollywood. And uh, last year was supposed to be the 10th anniversary, uh, canceled, of course, because of COVID-19. But uh, they are having a big celebration over there. And there's some tremendous satellite action over there. And we'll give you a chance, uh, maybe uh, some tips uh, from Bernard on which ones you should choose, uh, how early or how late before the tournament, that sort of thing. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line, always available on the Hold'em Radio Network, also on uh, you know the Poker Fuse podcast page, carries our show and Bernard's. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify or SoundCloud or all the great places to get the podcast. But we'll be back with more with Bernard when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon, along with my special guest, 
guest Bernard Lee. And uh, Bernard, I, I looked back at some of the history of, of my show and saw that you were on the very first year back in 2010. And, uh, and we've both been around for a while. I know that last week you did a 10th anniversary show of Black Friday, 10th anniversary of Black Friday, which is uh, bittersweet uh, because, you know, it shows that you've been around this uh, game for a while. But, you know, that was one of the dark spots that we've suffered through. Yeah, no, I'm, it's incredible, to be honest. Uh, you know, when, when I saw that it was going to be the 10th anniversary, I went back to my shows and I listened to it and it was creepy. You know, it was really creepy. And so I thought, like, oh, this would be kind of cool to kind of put that back out there. I mean, that's one of the benefits of being on air for so many years, right? I have so many interviews with so many people that you can kind of, you know, for better or worse, take a week off and be like, you know what, I'll replay one that, that I think will have some value. But the 14th anniversary, we're really excited about it. It's in May. Um, we have some great guests this year. Chris Moneymaker will be on talking about his uh, new uh, gig with America Card Room. Um, we have Mori Eskandari, uh, who is going to be talking about uh, Poker Go, and, and he's taken over the uh, presidency of Poker Go. Um, and I have uh, an awesome, uh, we've announced it, and I'll announce it here as well, but we have an exclusive interview with Jack Binion. And so oh, that's wow. going to be really cool. I don't think anyone has interviewed Jack Binion in decades, literally. And I was very fortunate to interview him. It's actually been a while. I was going to release it last year, but it just didn't work out. But um, when Phil Helmuth won his, uh, when it was his 30th anniversary of his win, I did a column for ESPN. Um, and uh, Jack was fortunate. I was fortunate enough to, get in touch with Jack um, via the late, great Mike Sexton. And um, Jack gave me like over an hour. Wow. I mean, he really, really gave me a lot of time. And he didn't know me from a hole in the wall. I mean, that just shows you the power of Mike Sexton of just literally calling Jack and saying, hey, talk to this kid. And, and he did. You said uh, you said Chris Moneymaker. Don't you mean uh, Chris Brian Smith? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny that, that they said that is because if you watch our ESPN Inside Deal, Chris Moneymaker – was the first guest we had on and our cold open was exactly that topic our cold open was that he was real name wasn't chris moneymaker at the time we we played it out that it was chris berman so i was so funny when i saw it i immediately knew that this was a joke like i right. just knew even though it wasn't i didn't even care about april 1st i was like we did this exact joke like 10 years ago so it was kind of fun yeah, for sure. That was uh, that fooled a lot of people. And the, even the way that Poker News presented it was uh, kind of at the very end, you go, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Anyway, uh, Moneymaker, I have talked to several times at uh, events down here, and uh, he's been a very positive force, even though he's now, you know, getting away some of the poker sponsorships that he's done in the past. Uh, speaking of sponsorships, uh, you mentioned the Foxwoods. And you're still involved with them now here, what, 10, 11 years later? Well, I'm, not, I'm no longer their spokesperson. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I go to their events every once in a while and uh, enjoy, enjoy playing at Foxwoods. It's always going to have a special place in my heart, being that it was the kind of first place I ever played in a main event. That My first main event, uh, big main event, was there as a WPT event. And obviously I was spokesperson there for two years. So um, uh, Foxwoods will always uh, have a special place. 
You uh, have had a relationship with Run Good Gear and many other people over the years. And uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, what's happening in your life now. I know you sent me the picture of your kids. I remember when you were first on my show, they were just three and five years old or something like that. <laughs> now they're 16 and 18. Uh, right. Beautiful kids, beautiful family. Congratulations on that. But tell me what you're doing now since COVID and after your time. Are you able to get to play much? Are you uh, working on some other things? Uh, you told us about the Zoom stuff, but well, what else are you doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously COVID has changed our world drastically, but uh, once the world does come back and I'm still part of uh, Run Good Gear's uh, team, I'm one of their ambassadors and you know, we're very proud of Run Good Poker Series being named uh, two years in a row by Global Poker Awards, the mid-major tour um, uh, of the year. And uh, they do such a great job there. I'm excited to get back on the road. Obviously, the World Series was just announced and probably great timing with regards to the book because obviously people are going to try to qualify for those events. And um, uh, looking forward to the World Series, looking forward to getting back and playing in the Run Good Poker Series and looking back, looking forward to getting back out playing obviously that that's something and and obviously doing a lot of the uh um uh the, the media as well and um you know it's it's a it's a fun world that i live in and, and trying to put those two together uh is really enjoyable and it's incredible that i've been doing this for over 15 years and you know i, I as i say to a lot of people I, I i'm retired i don't i don't really feel like i have a job really enjoy what i do um it's not hard at all for me to you know follow up and, and pay attention to the world of poker because it's something i enjoy you know and see as i say to anyone think of their your favorite hobby that you do imagine that you could win millions doing it imagine that you can write on blogs or uh, outlets that will pay you to and and your opinion is listened to um, and uh, have a radio show uh, that people listen to for over a decade. Well, that's my world, and that's crazy to think that that's my world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did want to touch on the Seminole Hard Rock Summer Showdown, which gets underway this week on uh, Thursday, April the 15th, will be the first event. Uh, they have six opening sessions in that event, number one, which is a uh, $500,000 guaranteed event. Uh, with those six uh, entries, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, $600 buy-in. And then later on in the series, obviously, is the main event, which is taped for TV, the WPT, uh, $2 million guarantee this year. That starts on the 23rd and 24th of April. So all those satellites run for those, mainly those two events, but I guess there's a few more. Uh, what would you say is uh, your first tip? If if today was the first day of the satellites, $140 mega tournament satellite, one in five for event number one, uh, would you say that multi-satellites are better than mega turbo satellites? Oh, I'm sorry, what was the first one? Multi-satellite, multi they call it. I guess, is, I guess the difference really is just the length of the levels, but... Uh, uh, they have different thing all in the uh, in the kind of the ballpark of 140 to 150 to get into a $600 tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, anytime you have longer time, that's that gives you more opportunity because if it's a an ultimate turbo, it's literally a crapshoot, right? Because you're going to have to get a hand and it's going to have to hold. And so, if you have more time at lower levels, that gives you the opportunity to 
play a little bit more poker. And that's what the tough part of satellites are, because beyond the early levels, you really don't have much time to play poker. It's really a shove or fold scenario. And that's just the way satellites are. And, um, you know, you, you, I think more time, the better. You don't want a 12-hour satellite, obviously. But, you know, you don't want also a 45-minute satellite, because then it's literally just you know, flipping a coin. Right. Folder or shove, basically. Yeah. Ultimately, when you get down to the late levels, that's all satellites are, right? I mean, you, someone's going to have to make a decision, and they're going to shove. And, uh, you know, big stacks may raise, and then basically it's just a question of if the small stack is going to have has enough fold equity to, to get you off of the hand. But if not, then you're going to have a call, and, and here we go. You know, that's really what it's going to come down to. Would you suggest uh, some of these uh, earlier uh, satellites that have, like, two seats guaranteed uh, better for you than something that uh, maybe later, right before the series, you're talking about one in 10 and maybe 20 seats guaranteed? Well, I think it really comes down to what people are comfortable with, right? Um, I, I, I like the more the seats the better because to me when you have a large field you have a you have a greater chance at getting a seat when when you come down to it and there are three seats available and you're at a final table you're now going to be playing four-handed you're going to play five-handed you're going to play six-handed and you're playing short short-handed so the blinds are going to go quicker and they're going to go around but when you're guaranteed 20 30 40 seats you're never going to get short-handed you're always going to play a full full table and that's an advantage for a satellite when it comes to survival right yeah. that's what you're trying to do you're trying to survive and so when you have three seats that you're trying to get to you're going to have to get down to the final table and you're going to have to get three-handed well that means playing shorthanded poker but also it means that the blinds and antes are going around a lot quicker so you could get short stack faster as I said, if you're playing 20, 30, 40 guaranteed seats, you, you're never going to get to that point. And so you, you're, you're going to have a little bit more room and, and luxury to play with because you're going to be playing full ring most of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the book uh, has several different uh, chapters on early levels of the satellites, late levels. Uh, when you get close to uh, the important part of the uh, the satellite, you know, that's when things get really critical. But, you know, I'm sure people are really going to love these real life scenarios and also the discussion on why it's OK to fold pocket aces preflop. Yep. And that's that's one. So we, we I wrote a column uh in uh on espn about folding aces preflop and it was probably the most um talked about hand on espn poker ever it's more comments than you can imagine people talking about it and saying like you're an idiot there's no way this is stupid dumb dumb concept to wow this is neat never really thought about it and so i wrote the column in 2006 and wouldn't you know it, just, you know, uh, a, a few, you know, a little bit later, this exact scenario happened at uh, a World Series circuit event in Atlantic City. I mean, this is when theory met reality. And the exact situation happened where the um, uh, player had aces 
and decided to raise, even though he had plenty of chips, there was no need to make this raise. And wouldn't you know it, what happens? They get it all in. The person that he was uh, up against had queens. I'm not saying that the person with queens should have called, but with the flop of 999, they were both like, hey, we'll just check it down. But the person with the aces didn't want to do it. The turn came a four and shoved all in. The aces, uh, the queens kind of shrugged shoulders and went, okay, I call. Aces flipped over. Queens flipped over. You know what happens on the river, right? A queen. Boom. (laughs) And, you know, some people are like, well, you can't get away from that. Yes, you can. Because just just to give the quick math behind it, if you have enough chips to get your seat, you are almost a 99.9% favorite to win your seat, right? I, I will tell you that I, we had about eight or nine big blinds, knew I had my seat. This person had more chips than, than I did. Remember at the other table, there were three players that couldn't go around the table once with blinds and antis. Couldn't go around one, one orbit. So the odds are one of those three was going to get knocked out. Even if they did double up, they were still going to have chips less than what I had. But right. so, but if aces go heads up with somebody all in pre-flop, you're only about an 80% favorite to win. Everyone thinks aces are 100%. No. How many times have you heard of aces getting cracked? And even in that situation, the aces were only a 95% favorite to win. Would you rather be a 95% favorite or would you be a 99.9% favorite? Yeah, It's a no-brainer. People cannot wrap their head around the concept because they're like, I cannot fold aces. I can't fold aces. In a regular event, you would never fold aces. But in this specific situation, you would fold aces. And as I said, I wrote about it. People thought it was some people thought it was the dumbest concept I have ever seen. Hmm. Other people thought it was a really cool concept and they understood it. Well, like I said, theory met reality on this one day, and it was incredible that it happened. Yeah, for sure. Um once again, the book is Poker Satellite Success. We are winding down here. A couple of last questions I want to throw at you, but um, you turned 50 this year, I guess. So senior tournaments on the horizon for you? Yeah, last year was 50. I would have been. I would have played the senior event. I actually joined the World Series um, uh, online event. I played in the senior event, and I think a couple of people were like, is that really Bernard Lee playing in the senior event? What are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be on my schedule. Um, I know that it is a, you know, uh, an interesting event, to say the least. I know a lot of my friends have played in it and have have told me about it. So I'm ready. Uh, I, I am ready and, and looking, looking forward to playing in it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't look like I'm 20, but hopefully I don't look like I'm 50. And, and people are definitely going to be like, what are you doing here? You know, and uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, I Hey, I'll take a bracelet any which way I can get it. I don't care. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> I was me. Uh, uh, the, the Seminole Hard Rock this week, we talked about that. Uh, a lot of things have happened there. Big changes since uh, October of 2019. Almost if it's possible, I almost feel bad for them uh, that COVID came in when it did because they spent all that money on the Guitar Hotel, new poker room. Have you been down to see some of that? No, I haven't. You know, obviously, I haven't traveled at all, so um, I didn't do that. But uh, I was down there for their Hard Rock, their 
first event I played in it, the one that Blair Hinkle won, um, uh, and got just horrendously bad beat on day two. I took a nice stack into day two and then ended up flopping a set, and the guy hit he, he hit top pair. I think he had King Jack, and I had nine, uh, eight, and we flopped like King eight three, and then came a Jack, and then came another Jack. And so mm. it was like horrendous, right? Because obviously I have an eights boat and he ended up having a jack's boat and um, just crippled me and I was knocked out shortly thereafter. So I remember it. I remember the hands, uh, you know, for better or worse. But uh, I, I, love the, I love the hard rock. And, uh, you know, eventually I will be back down there right now. Uh, you know, we'll still, we'll still be holding on before uh, we go down now. And I'm sure you know this very well, but this is obviously when you have a, a great guest, it's one of those shows that you know you could do four hours if you had to, but it's hard <laughs> to squeeze everything into an hour. But we appreciate your time so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. I can tell you that uh, my partner Joe Rodriguez and I proudly wear our Bernard Lee Poker Show T-shirts that you sent us for your 10th anniversary. And now you're coming up on uh, 14. What are you doing for that this year? Yeah, like I said, we're going to be doing those interviews in a couple weeks and uh, having Chris on, Chris Moneymaker, and Jack, uh, or Jack Binion. Yep. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to to do that, and uh, we look forward to the 14th and 15th and 20th, and you know we'll kind of go from there. Well, listen, all the best to your to your wife, your family. Um, you know, you you have to be proud of the life you put together after uh, a super turnout in uh, 2005 and turning it into a whole poker media career. But uh, the, the question I asked Mike Sexton one time, and I asked you it as well, I wonder if the answer is still the same. Do you want to be remembered as a media person, a commentator, or as a great poker player? Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, honestly, um, I think that I could, I couldn't be, uh, as, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm the best commentator or the best columnist or the best radio person, but I think I'm proficient in that because I'm a, I'm a good poker player. Um, and so, uh, I think for me to be good at those media aspects, I think I do have to be a good poker player. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's a very interesting question um, because you can go back and forth. Would I want to be remembered as a good poker player? Absolutely. Um, but I think I can – I think that I have the ability to excel in the media side more than in the poker side, if that right. kind of makes sense, right? right. Because I'm never going to be able to play – uh, the stakes that the Negranos play um, and the Helmios play, I just don't. And, you know, I have a family. I'm not going to risk that money. And I also am, I don't have the brand that they do when I play. But on the media side, I think I can, you know, keep, you know, put myself up against anybody. And uh, so, you know, if I had to choose one of them where I want to be remembered and, you know, would I uh, would I be remembered ultimately in the world of poker? Yeah, probably media side. I probably that's where it would where I would be remembered. Obviously, it's going to be a great legacy, whatever people remember about you. But uh, the thing to remember right now is you can pick up Poker Satellite Success, Bernard's new book that comes out this week. Turn affordable buy-ins into shots at winning millions. Available from DNB Poker Publishing, and uh, you can get it at all the places where you get books. Uh, Amazon, probably the best uh, place to get it, I guess. 
Yep, yep. Anywhere you want a DMB poker, you can get it. But uh, definitely, a lot of people are getting it on Amazon. Bernard, thanks for your time. Always fun chatting, and uh, we'll talk again soon. As always, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks so much. Bernard Lee, uh, I, when I look back at the guests on my program, I would say outside of Tony Burns from the Seminole Hard Rock, he's probably been on my show more times than, than almost anybody that's been on the show, but always a fun time talking and uh, certainly informative. Pick up that book. You'll definitely uh, need it if you're playing in the World Series of Poker this year because there are so many satellites and tournaments on the side that people, a lot of people aren't even aware about, but uh, if you're able to pick up anything, maybe you can use some of that information in playing satellites at the Seminole Hard Rock this week. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, thanks to Bernard for spending the entire hour with me. Uh, we'll have Joe back next week and we'll look forward to uh, chatting about a few things. Um, you know, we didn't have time to get into some of the latest news, but a lot of things are happening uh, here in South Florida. There's uh, certainly a lot happening in the legislature and uh, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, decoupling and whether people uh, will change their view on poker if they uh, make money with slot machines maybe not put as much money into that maybe put more money into that but I'm certainly uh, afraid that high lie and dog racing and horse racing some of that stuff is going to disappear soon if that uh, legislation goes through in Tallahassee this week but we'll talk more about that next week when we find out a little more the first uh, bill came out of committee Bill 7080, and uh, we'll see how that moves along in the entire Senate and House up there in Tallahassee. That's going to do it. I'm Big Dave Lemon. Thank you, Joe Costello, for all your help as usual on the show. And again, thanks to Bernard Lee. Pick up his book, Poker Satellite Success, coming out this week. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. <laughs>